Welcome to Growing E-Commerce. I'm your host, Mike Ryan of Smarter E-Commerce. Today is a special episode because we're going to break the format a little bit. Longtime listeners will know we did a Q4 peak season panel back in 2021, and we did it again this year. So this time, I'm in the hot seat fielding some questions, and I'm joined by my colleague, Agnes Tsotl. We discuss some big picture environmental trends, what it means to have the most automated peak season ever in terms of Google Ads, and how to negotiate those bumpy waters this holiday season. Many thanks to Maria Holzinger for stepping into the moderator role. All right, let's get into it. Hello and welcome to the Black Friday and holiday season 2022 discussion round. Thank you for joining us as we want to talk about the upcoming busy season. We at SMAC would like to share some insights with you so you can make the most out of it. To do so, I want to welcome our esteemed guests and experts in the field of e-commerce, Mike Ryan, Head of Retail Insights, and Agnes Zottel, Client Lead here at SMAC. Welcome. So I just want to uh, kick off our discussion here and really start off with the first question already. Um, so I think we could all agree that uh, the last few years have been quite interesting, but why, Mike, would you say that this Black Friday and this holiday season is even more special than the years before or different? Well, each year has been different than the last lately. Um, at this point, the waters are really muddy because there's just layers of complex year-on-year -year effects in each case. And if we look at last year, uh, 2021, Black Friday, for example, we see that total search volume was down. But then on the other hand, sales volumes were good. They were um, actually, you know, like in the U.S., plus five percent year over year, um, and those are very. It's a tough comp that it had against these crazy 2020 numbers. Uh, also, on the other hand, you have to ask yourself what amount of that was inflationary already last year, and that inflationary trend is continuing this year. So the picture becomes really complex the deeper you dig. Um, we also the supply chain situation was challenging last year. People were talking about shipageddon this year. It's just different. There is not only a supply chain shortage, but then on the other hand, you also have uh, other businesses uh, are often sometimes the same business that will face overstock and uh, overcapacity as well. So it's just a pretty uh, tricky situation at the moment for everyone out there. We don't know exactly what it's going to hold. People have been talking about a recession all year, basically. Um, and I, I still I don't think that we're quite there yet. Um, but we're, we're just wondering what's going to be next. There's so many balls in the air, basically. Definitely. So CPCs have been rising throughout the year. So there is some anxiety going into the fall and nobody knows where it's going, especially now that we have a new campaign type with Pmax. So clients are just a little bit anxious because they don't really know how to prepare for this holiday season. So it will be very interesting to see how much noise will be there in the market, also from the big players. Agnes, you already mentioned it. Uh, Pmax is the new campaign type. Uh, what makes this campaign type, in your opinion, so special and, well, rather tricky for advertisers? Mm -hmm. Well, it boils down to that when it was launched, there wasn't a lot of information out there. So there was this myth generated that it's just another black box and a huge enigma. But it's not really true anymore. We did a lot of testing and learning 
And well, the way we now like to explain PMAX is that it is a self-driving car, but it's a self-driving car for everybody. So the starting position is the same for everyone. So how do you get faster to your goal and better to your goal than your competition is that you feed it with information. You really need to give it all the curves, all the red lights, all the bumps in the road so you can get there better and quicker than your competition. Thanks for that image. I think that makes uh, the problem or the trickiness quite clear for us. So, Mike, my next question would go to you. I think you did some digging in some data points and some uh, PMEX campaign data, and you had quite some interesting findings, I would say. Do you want to elaborate on that? Um, yeah, sure. So, <laughs> Performance Max, uh, as Agnes said, it, it has this kind of a black box reputation, and you can understand why partly, but uh, Google is rolling out more insights all the time, and um, it's been available for months now, but there's now item ID reporting wasn't available at first. And so, digging into some item ID uh, or item level reporting for Performance Max, um, a question that our clients had and that I was very interested in is, um, How much is Performance Max just pushing bestsellers versus, um, you know, kind of the, the lower selling or slower selling inventory, the mid tail, the long tail, so to say. Um, and what we found is that um, PMAX often has a pretty strong bestseller bias, um, which is partially problematic. It depends. What are your goals? It might be fine for you if the if the channel is going to be heavily pushing your bestsellers. But the question is, are those the products that are really incremental for your business? Um, because your bestsellers are probably selling well through other channels too. And uh, personally, I like to put advertising pressure where it is needed on, for example, products that are falling behind sales plan or that I've got overstock on um, or products where I know I've got deep profit and, and the inventory to support it. Uh, so these are to the point that Agnes made about offering data to Performance Max, that's an example of that. How can I kind of force Performance Max to work harder for my business? Because it has this wonderful audience context from Google. It has all these amazing capabilities and that's its strength as it plays out these different formats and placements. But the question is, what do I know about my business that Performance Max doesn't know yet? And how can I connect those things? Um, and even on a raw performance level, what can I do to kind of de-average the performance? Because It's still an iteration on this target ROAS technology from Google that's been around for some time. And it's a very powerful technology, uh, but it basically delivers performance at a higher aggregation level, at a certain level. But when you break out your products, you'll also see that there are products which are massively over-delivering and under-delivering. So also not only in this kind of more business objectives way, like how can I support products that need support? There's also in your raw performance object objectives, how can I... Um, support PMAX to do really the best job that I can for my business. So what does that mean for online retailers then? What should they focus on if you say like there is this bestseller bias, uh, if you want to call it that, what should they focus on? That's up to every business to decide on their own uh, in their strategy. I just find it problematic. I, I looked in an account where 80% of the revenue was coming from 0.5% of the products. And that to me is troublesome. There are other kind of biases we, we might see in there, like uh, depending a bit more on brand traffic, uh, depending a bit more heavily on remarketing traffic. And I don't want to knock Performance Max. It's a new technology. It's improving all the time. It's still really powerful and it's a, it's a, it's a great bet. But the question is, what can I make it do to work harder and be more 
incremental to the business in terms of generating really new value? Um, that, that's a big question for me. And what about the long tail? Yeah, when it comes to a long tail, well, if we're talking about, uh, you know, 80% in this one case, maybe it's an extreme example, but 80% of revenue coming from 0.5% of the products. Um, the, the long tail, these are basically products that are going to have a lower monthly conversion volume. Um, and they, they could sum up to a significant amount of revenue, though. The thing is that there's always an opportunity cost there. Uh, to pursue these products, uh, you'll, you'll end up spending some budget that's not going to convert. That's just the cost of chasing that long tail traffic. So um, I think when you're talking about the long tail and the mid tail, you want to accept that this has a special value to the business so that you're not getting as dependent on bestsellers. You're, um, you've got more different kinds of products and more opportunities to acquire customers and up and cross sell. Um, with admittedly the expense uh, of of uh, investing in this area where Google has lower data volume to work on and optimize on. Um, so Agnes, you already mentioned uh, that you kind of have to feed this self-driving car um, with data, right? So what kind of data points should advertisers actually add to their campaigns? Exactly. That's a discussion that we have with our clients every time we onboard them because it depends on their industry and really the type of business that they have. So we always ask them what kind of information is important for them internally and then what kind of information are their shoppers looking for? What are their behaviors? How are they looking for their products? And of course, there's two hot topics that come up all the time and one of them is margin data. And margin data is a little bit tricky because sometimes it's a well-kept secret and even the performance team of the clients don't really know. So what we always tell them is that this is such a valuable information even to give us in buckets, for example, margin buckets to kind of yeah, make it a little bit more comfortable to hand this over in the feed. But then we can use this information to optimize the ad spend really and keep an eye on what's left over in the end, what's the profit for the client in the end. And then the second uh, type of information focuses more on the shopper side. And that's where we look at how attractive a price is. And we find that out by crawling marketplaces such as Google Shopping, Idealo, really important for the German market, or even Amazon. And then we can tell you based on the GTN of your products, what the prices of your competition are at a given day. And then we are not even talking about dynamic pricing here. We're just talking about taking the prices that you already have, taking the products that are already really attractive because of their price and just push them a little bit more than the products that are not attractive or have a lot of competition at a certain day. And you really need to have this automated so it's really up to date every time. And then this also improves your performance because products that are priced well, they get more clicks, they get more conversions. So it really boosts performance and saves you cost in the end. Speaking of products, uh, one topic that we already touched upon is definitely the topic of availability. So um, also in terms of uh, Pmax, Mike, the topic of stock and non-stock items. Do you want to elaborate on that? The stock, non-stock challenge, it's, it's a perennial problem. It's not a new problem. And depending which channel you're talking about, like Amazon or Facebook or Google, there can be different consequences of going out of stock. But um, the bottom line is it's never good. It's uh, missed revenue. It's also potentially bad for your customer experience. And if we're talking about Google ads specifically, um, 
generally you, you shouldn't be advertising out of stock products anyway. That's not exactly the theme or the, the, the problem. The problem is like, uh, like you said, availability. This is, this is something that's much more interesting here. It's much more interesting kind of problem space. And it's not just about Pumax. It goes, this is a longstanding best practice. What can I do to send more availability information to Google than what it usually has? Um, because A, it's about what's good for your business and B, it's about what's good for the campaign itself. Um, if you have, for example, let's just take fashion and we're talking about size variants and color variants, you'll have core sizes and core colors. Um, and yeah, the question that comes into play is uh, if I'm running out of core sizing and so on or, or getting low on availability, how does that impact the performance? It's going to lower the conversion rate because people will be having bad landing page experiences in the end. Um, and then on the other hand, how does it impact my business? Because if you have a product that is already low on availability um, and then you're paying to send traffic there, does that really make sense? It depends how fast it's selling. Would it sell through by itself or do you need the advertising pressure? So again, it's about where do I actually want advertising pressure to exist? Um, and that, that's basically it. Can you send more data to Google to help it? What about the campaign types that are now covered by, uh, by PMIX, basically? Should online retailers still invest in them? Or should they mix campaign types? What is your advice here? Um, I would say definitely, yes, they should keep investing in standard campaign types as well. Um, so to explain it, There's an overview table from Google themselves um, where you can see how, once you have Pmax active in an account, how does it interact with this campaign type like search, YouTube, um, display, et cetera, discovery campaigns. Um, and it, it's all spelled out there. Mostly it goes by ad rank. Uh, but the idea from Google here broadly is that they don't want Pmax to compete with other campaign types. They want them to complement each other. And there's still a lot of stuff that you can do with, for example, a standard YouTube campaign that you, you can't do with Pmax. Just because you're running Pmax and serving some YouTube inventory doesn't mean, oh, I'm doing YouTube now. Um, it, it depends on your ambitions and so on. Do I have a good core competence in YouTube advertising? Is it something that is going to move the needle for, for my audience and so on and for our conversions and stuff like that? But, um, There's very good reasons to keep investing in standard campaign types. It gets a little bit thornier with standard shopping relative to Pmax because uh, that's not complementary. They're directly in competition with each other and it's predetermined by Google. Pmax takes priority uh, strongly over standard shopping. So those two don't really mix together so nicely. Mm -hmm. But still, and I have to add this here, there's still some value to be found in standard shopping. It's not broken. So I see some clients that launch an individual standard shopping campaign next to Pmax with a selected number of products just to have they have this extra control on them for example if they have stock they need to clear or if there's just an important product where they're very very price or cost sensitive with their ad spend the only thing you need to be careful uh, you need to exclude it in Pmax otherwise the traffic goes right to Pmax. Thank you. Um, so, Agnes, then I would have another question, like moving away from the topic of PMAX for now. Um, there are also other channels for advertising besides maybe the Google universe. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so what would you advise uh, customers or online retailers in, in terms of channel mix? 
Something I always bring up, and that's a wonderful addition because you can leverage a lot of your setup that you have in Google, is to look into Microsoft or Bing Ads, especially if you're a retailer that operates in Germany, because they actually take about 20% of the search volume there. And it's just a different audience. So there is a lot of B2B going on there. It's a little bit of the wealthier audience. So it's a great channel to try out depending on your business model. And the next thing I would also recommend is to find synergies between your Google and maybe your social media, because a product that is doing well on Google, why not also push it on social? The thing is just a lot of times those teams don't talk with each other within companies. So I can highly recommend just to reach out to your social media expert and just get together and make this connection, build those synergies. And the same also is true for all of those programmatic channels. Communication is key, I would say. Exactly. <laughs> Talking with each other always helps. <laughs> uh, so you might not believe it, but we are nearing the end of our discussion already. Um, time flew by. So my last question goes out to you and would be, what would be your number one advice for online retailers this holiday season and beyond? Agnes. I can really recommend everybody to plan ahead. Maybe have a dedicated budget for those peak days like Black Friday and to give us as an agency a threshold for your key KPIs so we can keep a close eye on your performance on those days. And if anything changes and there's too much fun happening, too much noise happening, we can reach out to you. Also be available for us uh, so we can optimize on the fly if it's during the week. And then just be courageous, stick with your strategy, just go for it. There's never going to be that much too much noise you will always find your niche and your audience you just have to be smart about it um well to pick up there yeah i totally agree i don't think that black friday or the holiday season it's not exactly a zero-sum game um <clears throat> we see advertisers who don't want to participate in black friday because they find that's not profitable to them or they're not convinced that um, they're really acquiring customers. They feel that's just too transactional or discount driven in nature. And guess what? Those businesses, they're gonna live to see another day. The earth keeps turning. Um, so generally when we're talking about, especially these really peak seasonal events like Cyber Week, Black Friday, Cyber Monday, um, but generally with the holiday season, uh, I think it's more important than ever to nail your offer and to also picking up on that strategy theme to understand what you want to achieve and why, um, because it is just way too easy to make this season unprofitable for you or to put undue stress on your business model. Um, and the question is, how can I really differentiate on an offer and that my marketing channels have a chance of success and I can really perform by having a good offer in place to convert? Um, I think that's really the fundamental question here, and it's just under more scrutiny than ever, considering how competitive and how tight the environment is right now. Well, thank you so much, Agnes and Mike, for all your expertise and uh, the very valuable insights. And uh, thank you, everybody, for watching out there, online retailers and e-commerce enthusiasts. We wish you a highly successful season, and let's grow e-commerce together. Thanks for listening to Growing E-Commerce. And if you enjoyed this podcast, please consider sharing it with coworkers, friends, or within your professional network. We really appreciate it. This podcast is produced by Smarter E-Commerce, also known as SMEC. To learn more, visit 
smarter-ecommerce.com.